Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. As you know, I love getting to know people who have different experiences than my own. It gives me the opportunity to learn from them, create empathy, and expand my own base of knowledge. It could be their experiences in the areas of health or fitness, spirituality, business, love, relationships, or in today's case, energy. Sarah Small is a holistic business coach and medical intuitive. Between her 15-year journey with multiple autoimmune diseases and the trauma of losing two brothers, one just recently, Sarah has learned how to turn emotional breakdowns into her deepest breakthroughs. Through her brand, The Empowered Empath, she shows highly sensitive individuals how their pathway to healing inevitably leads them to their soul's purpose. She's also the author of 21 Days of Healing, a self-guided workbook to help you navigate chronic illness, release emotional inflammation, and find the medicine woman within. And she's also the host of the Healing Uncensored podcast. In this episode, you'll learn how Sarah has navigated over 15 years of autoimmune diseases, how empaths experience the world around them, the importance of energy, and ways in which you can protect yourself from the negative energy of others, and how Sarah is healing from the loss of her two brothers. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Sarah Small. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I really do appreciate it. I'm super excited to be on on the show today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know you specifically specialize in helping lots of different women, but particularly women who are empaths as well as uh, wrestling with some autoimmune conditions. Take me back on your journey a bit when you began to have some health um, challenges. Mm -hmm. What was that journey like for you? Absolutely. So I always take it back to seventh grade, and but I also uh, abide by the belief that maybe we we have we're born with some energies to work through in in each lifetime. But I started seeing physical symptoms uh, more literally in my body in seventh grade, and at the time I I did not connect any of this, but I was experiencing what are called stomach migraines. And it's just wherein younger kids migraines manifest in the stomach instead of the head. And, and I've never heard of that before. (laughs) I, when I was reading that on your website, I'm like, what the, uh, I, what? I never, I had migraines growing up myself, Mm. Um, but they can be very debilitating. And what is that like? It just hurts your, your, it makes you want to curl over and, The interesting thing, it was, it was like an attack on my body. So it wasn't like a slow, oh, I ate something in my stomach sort of hurts. It was like punch, like, here Mm. we go. And, you know, I I remember it happening in the middle of soccer practice, in the middle of the night, in the middle of school, just all over. And I would just kind of get punched with these, these stomach migraines. And of course it was very frustrating at the time and doctors didn't really know what to do. And they really didn't end up giving me any sort of, um, uh, solution per se, mm-hmm. but I look back now and I realize that they're stress induced. And it was the same year my parents were going through a divorce, and I'm mm-hmm. the oldest of four kids, and just all of a sudden put you know, consciously putting, you know, I think this is a choice I made at that time to put the responsibility of my siblings, my family, being the messenger between parents, mm-hmm. all on my own shoulders. Okay, and I didn't 
necessarily realize what I was doing at that time. But looking Mm -hmm. back, it's like, oh, I was just a stressed out kid. I was a stressed Mm -hmm. out kid who didn't know what to do with stress, didn't have any stress coping mechanisms. And before then didn't really have much stress in my life. I like Mm -hmm. to play outside and never come in and just be in nature and like kind of, you know, started to change. And so I, I saw that as the starting point of what turned into a much longer journey. And in high school, I, again, was kind of this like medical anomaly where they would just pass me around. I felt very passed around with all these Mm -hmm. different specialists. I saw 17 different doctors by the time I was 17 within just a few years of trying to figure out why I had this debilitating back pain. I ended up having to quit soccer, which was like a huge passion of mine. And my team actually even went on to win the state championship the year that I had to leave the team. So that was like this heartbreaking thing. Uh, and I, but I was in so much pain. I was in pain all the time and I was only given the solution of narcotics. And so, you know, here's narcotics or do you want a pain pump where we continuously throughout the day pump drugs, drugs into your body. And I'd refuse the pain pump. I took the narcotics. I didn't have a better solution at the time. I ended up overdosing at the uh, homecoming parade, my junior year of high school on accident. No way. I was just in pain. And, you know, a 17 year old girl that that gives that basically has access to endless narcotics to help her pain, but mm. they weren't actually helping. So, mm-hmm. but that was the only thing I had. So I would just pop them and pop them. And, okay. The pain's not gone. I should probably take more mm-hmm. until eventually I fell over and started vomiting. Mm-hmm. And that was a wake up call. Um, my mom happened to be like a mile away in the parade, which was fortunate. And she took me right home and I was okay, but I mean, wake up call. All right, Sarah, this is not working and this Mm. is not the way you want to live your life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was eventually diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is kind of a mysterious diagnosis of chronic pain that they typically give you antidepressants for. So I tried that out too, and that didn't work well for me either. So finally, you know, in college, you have more independence and you're kind of making your own choices. I started like thinking for myself more and asking questions and getting curious. And I found yoga and I found more uh, holistic medicine and I stopped my medication and started looking at the root cause of what was happening in my body. Hmm. And I made all the nutritional changes, had several more diagnoses during that time of like celiac disease, parasite infections, um, bacterial infections, vitiligo, which is a skin pigmentation, autoimmune disease, um, or I guess loss of pigmentation actually. And I changed my entire diet. And then there was another point where I was opening the fridge every day and crying because I would open it and I go, I can't eat anything. Mm. Nothing makes me feel good. Like what gives, right? I'm meditating. I'm, I'm the yogi. I'm eating organic gluten-free food and this deep, frustration of, in my type A personality of why isn't this working? Like what, what gives all these other college students are like pounding pizza and beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Beer. Right. (laughs) And I just, I, I was very angry and I would never, you wouldn't, you would never have known it about me and I would never have admitted it to you. It's only in retrospect that I even realized how angry I was, but I was very angry and I, also didn't know how to express that emotion. And 
really didn't allow myself to express that because of what that would have meant about me. It's like, no, I'm not an angry person. I don't express negative emotions. Like I just can't do that. Well, come to around grad school a few years later, living in Chicago, and I was basically in the same place, frustrated, eating super healthy, but still having major issues, debilitating anxiety, cystic acne, you know, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. And I got the phone call that my brother Jordan had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And I had just seen him five days prior and given him a big old hug and said, you know, he was going to a concert is have fun tonight, mm. go dance your ass off and you know, I'll talk to you soon. And mm-hmm. we didn't ever talk again. And, and in that, that moment of, of loss, I completely crumbled. I mean, mm. he's my younger brother of almost two years and it just came as a giant shock to my entire system, to my entire family's makeup. But, mm. um, in that cracking down and crumbling, it felt impossible to be quote fine, mm. wh- which was like my operating level. Most of my life was, I need to be fine. I need to maintain the status quo. I need to fit in. I need to be perfect. And I let all of that go. Mm. And I just said, I'm going to crumble and I'm going to let all my emotions come to the surface. Mm. And I'm, I'm just going to release everything and not try to put myself in, into any boxes anymore, which is also if you knew my brother, he was very much that way of, mm. of unique and not afraid to be different and mm-hmm. be weird and dance funny and just have fun with life. And so in, in that, I, what did that look like for you as you kind of released that? Uh, well, first it was a lot of crying and a lot of journaling and just writing out my feelings and a lot of with, I think with, anyone listening who's experienced loss of somebody they know with suicide, you you can relate that there's a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't leave a note and it was completely unexpected. So it was just um, so many questions. Mm -hmm. Now the questions then filtered over from why did he do this? What was going through his mind? What is the last thing he did? Who's the last person he talked to, to what do I believe about the world? What is beyond our human existence, like big, big ethereal sure, questions. Yeah. Who am I? Like big questions I started asking about the world, but in those big questions that followed the deepest loss I had ever experienced came a curiosity of looking at some of the, the rules that I had created for myself in life and going, Hmm, does this really serve me? Is this really freaking true? No, like some of the things I was abiding by were not even true. And I had so many limiting beliefs. And so it looked like a lot of questioning. So first was a lot of tears, but then it followed, well, I'm going to start asking more questions and I'm going to start to become more curious about the purpose of my life. Mm-hmm. I was also at the time in a um, nonprofit job as the uh, chief of staff for an international nonprofit or- organization getting paid my starting salary was 20K a year as a contractor. Mm. And uh, I realized now that that said a lot about how worthy and how valuable I thought I was. Mm. And I, uh, you know, have, have completely transformed my earning ability by looking at my beliefs and my value to mm-hmm. now I make that in a month. But mm-hmm. 
it um, really made me look at a lot of things that I was, again, you know, I'm air quoting rules because they're not real rules. They're rules I had created around my life. What are some of those rules that come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was like the rule that you had to, the harder you worked, the more money you made. Mm -hmm. And the rule was I had to work hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rule was that I had to make my parents proud by doing a very specific thing, like um, having a more uh, traditional career. Uh, I had rules around the way that I could receive love and what it meant to be loved. Uh, rules around the way that I was I was allowed or not allowed to express my emotions, like mm-hmm. never cry in front of people. And, mm-hmm. and now I've cried in front of a hundred people. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't actually a rule. Mm-hmm. And so questioning that and asking, uh, I love the work of Byron Katie and she has her four, four main questions, but the, the first two are, is it true? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way you're living in these rules you've created is it actually true? And the next one is, is it absolutely true? Well, no, sometimes it's not freaking even true. It's just a construct or a a subconscious belief that we've created in our mind in order to feel safe or to protect ourselves when it's not, it wasn't always true. So I started questioning so many things in my life. And through that questioning came a lot of uh, inspiration, inspiration to start my business, inspiration to start living differently. And then to circle back to the chronic illness journey and the physical mm-hmm. symptoms I was having having at the time. Well, all of a sudden I started doing emotional healing and energetic healing of my body, re-looking at my surroundings, my environment, the way I was living. And all of a sudden my physical symptoms started improving. And at first I was like, what's happening? And I realized that that was a completely missing link to my healing process that I had not looked at at all. I was so focused on food and exercise and, you know, I had meditation, I guess there, but I really hadn't gone to a deeper subconscious level to look at what other things would be having an effect on my physical body. And that's Mm -hmm. where like my mind was blown and I had huge healing breakthroughs. Hmm. Wow. And so then you started a business in order to help other people. Yeah. And that was how many years ago? That was three years ago, which gosh, I feel like I've been doing this a a really long time, but it was just a short, short three years ago. And a lot has shifted and evolved in that time, including who specifically I work with and, you know, how I conduct my business. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you start out working with individuals who were having autoimmune condition diagnoses and and you expanded it? Um, Exactly. Uh, You're right. So I started working with women with kind of chronic illness as a whole, which was mostly autoimmune disease, Mm -hmm. but some like chronic migraine patients. And uh, that was who I was and who I used to identify Mm -hmm. as. So it felt like the easiest uh, community and market to to tap into and to help Mm -hmm. and to support because I could relate. I was, Mm -hmm. I had been in their shoes and I had opened the fridge and cried a million times. And I realized that I could bring to them a different perspective on the emotional, energetic, and spiritual side of healing a chronic illness that you're, you know, you're not going to hear about in your doctor's office. Uh, And what I realized through that work was that uh, like my own personal journey was as these women that I, I was working with one-on-one and in group settings started to experience their healing, experience their transformation, wake up parts of themselves they hadn't kind of 
communicated with or been in contact with since they were maybe a little kid, Mm -hmm. they were inspired to share their journey too. And so I very much uh, run my business by this belief that uh, I, I believe that your pathway to healing inevitably leads you to your soul's purpose. And in that breaking down and the challenge and the stumbling blocks, the, the traumas that we've experienced in our life, oftentimes those are our greatest teachers and lead us to the thing that lights our soul on fire that we want to be talking about every day that feels in alignment with our soul's purpose. And so that was when I started to evolve my mission and my message a bit to help those women get their message out into the the world. And then simultaneously, there was this interesting thing that started to happen, which was the women I was working with, they didn't all necessarily identify as a person with autoimmune disease anymore. And there was this overlap between autoimmune and empath. Empath is the highly sensitive who picks up on energy and can absorb energy of of people's physical pain, people's emotions, energy Mm -hmm. of environments and surroundings. And I started to connect how the highly sensitive person was way more susceptible to autoimmune and chronic illness because of their highly high sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Now, they didn't have to be a victim of that, but there was just some parallels that were Mm -hmm. happening. And so that's where I started to talk more about empaths and intuitives and help these people start to share what they may have once considered as weakness or illness or something that they shouldn't share with the world to to bring that to the surface and start Mm -hmm. to own it and see it as their superpower and and then start to make a living sharing that message as Mm -hmm. well. You would consider yourself an empath? Yes, absolutely. And when did you have that sense or realization? So I, I, I think I forgot (laughs) that I had, that I felt that way, but as a little girl, I absolutely had the realization, but then it was like society came in, teachers came in and adults in my life came in and kind of told me, you know, that's a, that was a weakness. And I, I'm a, if, if anyone knows the Enneagram, I'm Enneagram type three, which is the achiever. And I, I, have always been very driven, hardworking, like wanting to achieve. And so I thought, well, I can't be highly sensitive or like, what that's going to mean. I can't achieve and I can't succeed in my that's life. A weakness. Which was, yes. Total false belief. But I definitely saw um, people saying that or um, at least uh, leading me to believe that. And then I mm-hmm. took on that belief. But as a little girl, I was so connected to nature and uh, to animals. And I would talk to animals and I would make fairy houses and like let fairies come into my space and like talk to the fairies and just like very um, like the the mystical world. I was in just so fascinated by. And I always felt like I had a lot, like a internal lie detector of when someone was being authentic Uh, and truthful versus when someone was trying to hide an emotion or just flat out lying. And I thought that that was also the way that everyone felt. And so I would be, and this carried with me through middle school and high school too, where I felt super uncomfortable when someone was trying to hide something because I could feel how they were truly 
feeling. Mm. And like, you know, I didn't want to call them out on it, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so there was just this deep compassion for people and for wanting people to feel loved and to help people. And, uh, you know, eventually I fell into the people, people pleaser role too, which didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. serve me, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think I always realized I was an empath. I shut it out for many years and then Mm -hmm. I allowed it to come back in around the same time that my brother Jordan passed because I let my walls down Mm -hmm. and I started asking all those questions of the world again and going, Hmm, does sensitivity and intuitive abilities have to make you weak? And I, I changed my mind. I said, no, I can Mm -hmm. actually use this as a strength. Mm Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, I intersect with a number of different women who are not aware of that term empath, Mm -hmm. but they feel like, you know, like, what what is wrong with me? Why do I feel like, you know, I'm different Mm -hmm. than other people? And then when they kind of have that breakthrough of getting the chance to uh, hear more about it or read about it, like, oh, that's me, that's me, that's me. Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. does seem to be more so women than men. But, you know, I do know that there are some men um, that are empaths as well, of course. Totally. Yeah. My husband is definitely one, but he just doesn't um, uh, like practice it as much. He's not necessarily interested in like strengthening that ability, but he definitely has the ability. And I also think we're all empaths. I think we all have the, Mm. have that ability somewhere within us. Now we've maybe shut it out or off Mm -hmm. in order to protect ourselves or because in like, in my case, we felt um, that that would make us weak. So we don't want to identify as that, Mm -hmm. but I truly believe that we all have the ability to feel into energy, feel into emotions, feel into physical environments and and our surroundings Mm -hmm. that, but for any reason we may have turned it off. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. Um, my background, I come from more of a conservative Christian background. And in that world, there are two, and uh, I, I would say two tribes, um, for lack of a better word, that come, that would, uh, I guess, process that information that you just shared, the ability mm-hmm. to feel. Mm-hmm. One tribe would be um, a more of a conservative evangelical group that would almost say that that is, and this is an over- over speaking of the term, yeah, but that that is almost like satanic, like mm-hmm. like that is not just new age. I've heard that before. Like, yeah, you are like you're Satan. You know, mm-hmm. you're, I'm over speaking it. <laughs> but for those who are listening to my podcast that grew up in a similar background, yeah, they'll get what I'm saying. Yeah, the other group would be um, somewhat of a charismatic or Pentecostal Christian, which I'm not Mm -hmm. sure you're familiar with, but those are individuals who are more open to the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And they would, you know, say that that is a tool or a skill that could be utilized for both good or Mm -hmm. evil. If it involves Jesus, then it's good. If it doesn't involve Jesus, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, you know, that's, so I think it's interesting as I become more and more aware of different ways of people sensing things and expressing things. It's so, I love that I don't have those two categories anymore. You know, I've got like a a huge, big categories. And one of my best friends is an empath and she tells me things all the time, Mm -hmm. Sarah. I mean, weird stuff. She keeps a journal where she feels things, you know, and she's like, goes back. Oh, 60 days ago, I had a dream and I sensed this and Mm -hmm. then bam, there it is. And she's Mm -hmm. always, I just always tell her, I go, you're so weird. You're so freaky. (laughs) You are 
freaky. You're so weird. You know, of course she laughs. Yeah. And, uh, but it is so powerful, so mm-hmm. real. And she does exercise it, meaning mm-hmm. she, um, I don't know what to say. She, well, she's just opening herself oh, up oh, to she's it. Very open. Yeah. Yeah. And cultivates it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's, you know, I, I've come across, uh, the belief that this is like against God or against people's belief before. And I just think it's an interesting conversation to have. I'm, um, not going to tell anyone what to believe or not to believe, but what I, what has helped me understand vibrational medicine and, and aspects of energy medicine is science. And so looking at um, Curlean photography, for for example, where you can take, there's imagery um, technology that can take images of just use like fruits and vegetables as an example. And you could take a picture of a banana, a conventionally grown banana that doesn't probably look any different than an organically grown banana. And you can take a picture of it. And what you're going to find is the energy around it through the imagery. So it's like in colors and the, the, colors around the conventional banana are going to be totally different than the colors around the organic banana. And it's so it's just like with us humans, well, we are each going to have a different energy that we give off as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so we can see it. If if someone needs to see it visually, they can see it visually through technology like, like that. Um, and I always go back to what we learned in, I don't know, middle school or high school too, which is, um, the law of physics and like energy can be created, but not destroyed. And so our emotions have energy and that's also shown in Dr. Masuamoto's water experiments. Mm -hmm. And there's um, research on this where you can project an emotion like love or, or anger on just a bowl of water. (laughs) It's very simple. And they can actually look at then the uh, like little micro crystal crystallization within the water. And they can see that that the the shape, the geometric shape of the water changes depending on whether you're projecting love or anger towards that water. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so if that we can literally see with our eyes that there's different energy to different emotions, then how can we deny that then we as humans like do do not um, have these different energies and Mm -hmm. might not be able to feel different energies from different people or from Mm -hmm. different things or animals in our life. So um, I always direct people towards some of the, especially if they're more analytical um, or critical um, thinkers to some of the research that does exist around energy and vibrational medicine that, you know, then they can make their own choice. Still, we can always mm-hmm. still make our own choice. But I think that that helps some of the visual people too start to see what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> right, 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 right. So powerful. I think the the part for me is when I encounter people such as yourself, where um, and especially if I have a relationship with someone where I trust them and I've been in friends with them for a long time, they say something or sense something. And then I see it come to pass where there's no, there's like absolutely no way she could have known that or no way she could have sensed that mm-hmm. or, you know, something changes or, you know, whatever. I'm like, how do I deny this? 
Like I'm seeing this with my own two eyes. Like this is yeah. not something, why is she trying to trick me with something? There's no reason. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some people, I think in the same way that some people have different skills in maybe physical skills, mm-hmm. people have different skills in terms of emotion and spiritual skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we always have free will. That's what I remind people when I, when I teach on energy as well. It's like you, you have free will in that you can allow what comes into your space and you can allow what you keep out of your space. You can also allow your, you know, conscious choice, free will to open your intuition or to close your intuition. And that's each of our individual choice. No one's going to force you to believe this or force you to open up your energy. But uh, what I find is a lot of the women in my community feel, again, victim to energy because they don't realize they've opened themselves up to being a sponge to their surroundings. And now all of a sudden they're soaking up and absorbing the energy of everyone else's to-do list and all the stress at work and the angry people in traffic this morning. And they come home and they realize, or they wonder, you know, why, why do I feel so anxious and so overwhelmed? And they just don't realize that they've been a sponge to everyone else's. It's not their stuff. Well, there's probably some of their stuff, but it's also everyone else's stuff they've been absorbing all day long that if we didn't, believe in energy, then we wouldn't necessarily adhere or or, um, abide by that. But if we could realize that everything has an energy to it and that we can absorb those energies, we come home and we're like, oh, that's why I'm so overwhelmed because my boss was super mad today. And that guy was honking at on traffic earlier. And I allowed myself to sponge that up versus Mm -hmm. uh, protecting your energy and not carrying all that with you. Mm-hmm. How, if somebody's listening today and they maybe think they're an empath, maybe they're not quite sure, and but they have that feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're, oh my gosh, I just end up going home and I'm carrying all this weight. I didn't even realize that other people don't do that. Mm-hmm. I feel, you know, overwhelmed or, you know, bad in some way. Like, how do we protect our energy, as you say? Mm-hmm. Well, if- First, if anyone's wondering if they're an empath or to what degree they're experiencing that the empath energy in their life, I also have a free quiz in my Instagram bio. They can, it's just like, are you, it's, are you an empath? And they can go take that quiz for free. Uh, but to protect ourselves, we, there's many, many different methods. Uh, some people like more visual things where they are just visualizing, like zipping up, zipping up their energy, kind of the shield that they're creating to the world. I like to think of more or visualize more of a semi-permeable shell around us where you are allowing in the good. So we're not closing ourselves off to everything. We're letting good things come into our life, but, um, we are, we kind of have like a gatekeeper that says like, okay, that stuff's not mine. Bye-bye. See you later. That's not allowed into my space or into my life. So the visual stuff can work. Um, I, not everyone loves visualizations to protect energy. So I also love to use essential oils. Um, they have a specific frequency to them, just like everything else in, in life. Uh, and we can measure the frequency of most of these things in our life, just like essential oils. And I like to talk about them too, for the science minded, more critical thinkers, because, uh, plants have natural defense mechanisms. So, um, like 
like a plant might produce uh, an oil or an aroma that will deter certain animals from it to protect mm-hmm. itself out in nature. Mm-hmm. And we, when applying those oils, are now using the same chemical constituents that are in the plant on our body or smelling, if we're just smelling it. Um, I like to mostly apply them to my chest for protection methods, uh, but we're using those chemical constituents that are naturally occurring in the plant sometimes chemical so people hear chemical and they're like chemical what <laughs> it's it's just naturally occurring right. in, Natural in the plant oil. yeah and we can use that to protect our energy as well just the same way a plant would be protecting itself in nature you are you, that is wackadoodle are you come on now you're telling me if i put an oil on my chest that somehow i'm going to prevent your anger from going into my it's mm-hmm. like a oil for come on now are you serious so, let me also ask you, or let's bring to bring to table consideration that we all have conscious choice. So you, regardless of whether you have that oil on you, regardless of whether you've put your don't pink sidestep. Oil hold on, hold on. Don't sidestep the oil conversation. <laughs> oh, I'm going there. Okay, okay, good, good. Take me there. Come on, I want to okay. hear this oil so, force field on my chest. Yeah. So when when you. You said anger, I think was your example. So if you have um, somebody's really projecting anger towards you today, yeah. and you're like, oh my God, I'm feeling that in my body, right? Like feeling that in my body. So we can choose to take that on or we can choose to push that out. Right. And so uh, what I'm suggesting is that the oils help us push that out. So again, it's, it's if you don't believe in energy, then it's going to make no sense to you. But if you understand that we have energy and that we're constantly giving off an energy like our own frequency of love right. or of anger or of acceptance or so on and so forth, like this water experience ex- right. uh, experiments I explained to you, then we can realize that what we put on our body and what we put in our body affect that energy as well. So what I'm putting into my body and what I'm putting onto my body like an essential oil are helping me change my frequency that again can be measured through things like Kirlian photography, through um, heart rate variability and the HeartMath Institute's research. We can measure that within us. And we can also see that when we apply essential oil, if you get a photo taken of you maybe 20 minutes before you -hmm. apply the oil and 20 minutes after you apply the oil, you will see a shift and a change because again, what we put on our bodies and in our bodies changes that frequency. Interesting. Okay. So, and I'm just messing with you. I don't, you know, don't feel like I'm, you know. <laughs> I like to be challenged saying, and I love to maybe convert some people over to considering emotional and energetic healing in their healing journey, especially if they have chronic illness, like, like I struggle with. Okay. So now I'm putting an oil on my body. Now I'm thinking, well, a little oil, a lot of oil is better than a little oil. I'm thinking I got to cover my whole body in this oil in order to prevent your crazy anger from coming at me. You're not angry, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, uh, but something about the oil. So this mm-hmm. is not just psychological. This is like actual, like the energy makeup is somehow protecting me from your energy coming into my energy. Yeah. The oil is. Is it going to be a particular oil? Anti-anger oil? 
well, we can make a blend for, <laughs> we can make a blend for that. But what I look at is, um, if you do look up the research on the, those chemical constituents I was mentioning before. Mm-hmm. So there's things called terpenes and, uh, sesquiterpenes and these different components of an essential oil. And so okay. I would pick one that has whatever, you're looking for, um, the research behind the, those chemicals constituents that are for that thing. Mm. Uh, so let's say you are picking up on somebody's stress and mm-hmm. feeling super stressed yourself, uh, that maybe was not coming from sourced within you. Like you mm-hmm. don't have a big to-do list that day, right, right, right. but you're feeling it in the office. But the person that's sitting next to me in the next cubicle over there, like, yeah, they're super that. stressed. I hate out. that. I, yes, you definitely <laughs> feel that. Yeah, I just think it's psychological, though. You, you're saying, I'm just. I, I mean, I don't know. You're saying, yeah. Well, okay, so I would pick an oil like, that has the chemical constituents or, or components that are then anti-stress, just louder. like a plant in order for it to survive. Like you see a tree that's stressed or a plant that has been been watered and has its own physiological stress on mm-hmm. in its in its plant makeup. Mm-hmm. So, um, we can use the, the, those, uh, different chemicals constituents like the terpenes or sesquiterpenes that are in the oils and pick an oil according to that. Like lavender. My lavender wife, she's spraying lavender all over her kindergarten classroom all the time. Yeah. Yes. And lavender is highly studied. It's one of the, the studies that has the most scientific, like pure mm-hmm. general articles that are published on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, peppermint, lavender, and lemon, I would say like the most highly studied oils. Okay. Um, but there's definitely others that are really great or gr- grounding. So um, grounding. Would you suggest if I take, if I don't, and I don't have a cubicle like with somebody working next to me, but if I did, if I'm in a corporate environment, would you suggest that I have a spray bottle and maybe just spritz my stressed out neighbor? I would not spritz anyone who has not consented <laughs> to being spritzed because <laughs> I do I not know how myself. that person is going to respond, yes. but I would spritz myself and yes. maybe my own cubicle space. Very fascinating. Yeah. I just, you know, um, I had a gal named Lindsay Elmore on the podcast not too long ago, and she introduced me to all things um, mm-hmm. essential oils. I got some, I tried it. I don't necessarily feel like I have many um, physical challenges. So I'm mm-hmm. like, this just feels like something extra to do. I'm a, mm. kind of a minimalist, but yeah. now you're making me think, Hmm, maybe it's not. Cause I don't feel like I have a physical issue. Maybe I'm like, maybe I should be, you know, For energetic purposes. Yeah, I'm all about <laughs> the energetic then. Well, and just emotional purposes too. I mean, we all have, we all have negative emotions mm-hmm. and we all have challenging emotions in our life. And, and so it's not a matter of mm, avoiding them or saying, I never want to feel this again, but Mm -hmm. moving through them and then maybe bringing in a supportive tool that could help us move through it more easily. Mm -hmm. So we can use the oils, um, you know, for our brains and for our emotions as well and our neuro neurotransmitters. So some, some of the oils affect our neuro, neurotransmitters in our body. And so mm-hmm. that would be a whole nother purpose beyond the physical to be using oils. Mm-hmm. I think I posted, uh, I don't remember if I texted somebody or what I did. I was telling them I was using the peppermint as eye drops and it was helping me out a lot. <laughs> no disclaimer. Like, no one what? ever do that. Dude, are you kidding me? 
inhale. You can inhale. You can put a drop under your tongue. Do not put it in any any eyes or or ears. (laughs) Of course not. Um, Well, thanks for educating me on that. That's very good. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of these things that you're talking about are um, challenges that we're facing, Mm -hmm. and then um, the things that you have learned from those challenges. You know, you talked about the health challenges and the, Mm -hmm. the, the diagnoses, and that my goodness, you've created a whole business and have. Um, your passion is flowing out of those challenges that you've had yeah. and then the passions of the women that you're helping. And now their, you know, lives are being transformed and they're seeking to help other people. Yeah. Um, and, and I know you've talked about this publicly, but just even recently you've had another challenge in mm-hmm. your life. And, you know, when I read this, I thought, Oh my goodness, I just, I just can't imagine, you know, and, and yet it's, um, I know that you're the posture that you're taking is one of learning life transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's something that you're cognitively learning, but something deep within. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind sharing that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's like, if changing my diet, like I tried, you know, six, seven years ago would have given me everything that I was looking for and desiring, maybe I would have stopped there, Mm. but it didn't that I was at a plateau. Mm -hmm. I was what I call emotionally inflamed and not happy. And so I looked at some of these things that I had perceived as so negative in my life. And I chose to use them as opportunities for growth. Mm-hmm. And the recent challenge or loss that you were referencing is the loss of another one of my brothers, also a younger brother, Joe. And it's been almost two months to the day. In, in two days, it'll be a, two months since we lost him. And it was about a month after I put my dog down and a week after I got married. Mm. So it cracked me open once again. And it... It, it's left me with many questions just like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for those questions that I've been asking. I'm grateful for it reconnecting me to that big question of what legacy do I want to leave and, mm-hmm. and share and have on this mm-hmm. world and this planet and this lifetime and to not, not waste my time and to to get up and start talking about my message. A lot of women I work with are afraid to get started. Mm-hmm. And uh, when grief hits you this hard in the, in the chest, it definitely gets you standing back. It got me standing up quickly to say, mm-hmm. Whoa, time is short. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe's death was, was we believe to be accidental. And so, it, you know, it, life can be taken away from you very, very quickly at any moment. And um, we get a choice. We get a choice to use that thing that can feel so freaking unfair in our life, you know, and we can be the victim. We can, that's an archetype. One of the main archetypes we can play in our life is victim and and we can live our entire lives in that victim state. I'm a victim of disease. I'm a victim Mm -hmm. of losing two brothers, but that is just, simply not the choice that felt best. And it is not the choice that I wanted to make in my life. So 
I've chosen to use all of these challenges to really be stepping stones. So instead of stumbling blocks, stepping stones to move me forward in my life and to really reconnect to who I am in my truth and what, what do I believe in and how will I live and how will I show up in this life? So mm-hmm. I just, um, I teach a lot of this now is those, those shadowy parts, those, that darkness, those negative emotions, the deepest traumas, challenges, losses we've had in our life. If you choose and if you desire, we can use them to really propel us forward and learn so much about ourselves mm. and about the world. Mm. You have had so much loss, Sarah. I mean, my goodness. Mm. Um, I just, uh, how do you, how do you, and I know you're, you know, grief, there's no timeline. We all know that, that, you know, it, it continues on um, even years later. Um mm. But how how do you process something like that um, with with that you know type of loss? Do you um, you know some of us we just check out? You know what I mean? We just kind of uh, compensate in some other way. Some of us you know chalk it up to coincidence. Some of us um, you know what I mean? We all try to make sense of these things. I think yeah. in our own way. Yeah. Because making sense or, or making meaning of something is a way to not just cope, but just mm-hmm. survive. You know what I mean? To go, okay, how, yeah. how do I make sense of all of this? Like, how do you, do you try to make sense of it or how do you process it? I do. I think that that's a, um, you know, pretty common coping mechanism is to um, get the details so that we can have, the clearest understanding possible so that then our subconscious mind can actually have that conscious material, the information and, and process it. Mm -hmm. And, and that's when we, if people have experienced, um, like in like myself, any forms of PTSD, then there's what are called fragmented complexes where the, the body, rejects the full information and details uh, and just remembers possibly like a clip of information. This Mm -hmm. is research from Carl Jung. And uh, then the subconscious mind doesn't have enough information to process it. And so we experience these triggers that then that flash comes back up over and over again. Again, it's called a, a complex and there's different types of them and different degrees and severity of it. But, um, so my mind wants to gather as much information as possible to make sense of it Mm -hmm. and to be able to then move forward with grief, move through grief versus feeling like I, um, don't, you know, I'm stuck back in that moment and Mm -hmm. I'm replaying some of the challenges or trauma or grief over and over again. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I, uh, seek to find answers. I seek to find, um, to be curious and to find, you know, my, my truth, my reality Mm -hmm. so that I, that I can process, uh, the grief process doesn't end. Like you mentioned, it's Mm -hmm. an ongoing healing. It's I'm, I'm never going to have my brothers back in physical form in this lifetime. So, uh, 
there's always going to be a hurt and a pain there. But I choose to not focus on and sit in the pain of them not being here and, and, and make that like a permanent place where I sit. And instead I, I choose to honor their memory and their lives by using each of them in different ways as inspiration to mm-hmm. help curate my content and my message and just who I want to be in this mm-hmm. lifetime. I, Jordan loved to dance and he was silly and goofy and weird in his own way. And so, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, like all my different hair colors, right? So it's like, I just want to express myself and I want to be weird. I want to be who I am. And it's part, yeah. partly honoring my brother and sure. the life that he didn't get to live out to, you know, it's complete, it's, what could have been, you know, longer. Mm-hmm. And in Joe, Joe's one of his greatest desires on this planet was for people to listen back to each other better, to mm-hmm. have deeper communication and to really hear each other and give each other the time of day to try and understand each other. It's mm-hmm. interesting how up on this conversation in this interview today it came up that not everyone might may agree with me. And so I challenge everyone in, in, in inspiration from my brother Joe to even if you don't agree on a surface level with anything I've said to try and understand each other, understand where we're coming from. And so I use that part of his personality as inspiration to also be on the other side of that and try to understand other people's point of view that I don't necessarily agree with on the surface level and just mm-hmm. have more real communication and get, you know, get off our phones so that we're on so much. Hmm. I sense that within you because even as I'm you know, being a bit playful with you, I sense your graciousness. I don't mm. know if you are a gracious person because I'm just getting to know you, but I sense that within <laughs> you. You know what I mean? I sense that there's a desire yeah. to, you know? Um, I oh, want, wow. I want the, I desire for there to be more understanding in this world. Mm-hmm. Even again, if we come from differing viewpoints, that doesn't mean that we have to, there has to be any hatred or any meanness or any anger or even frustration with each other. And instead uh, really trying to understand where that person came from. Mm. You know, we don't, you don't know the random person you met on a street or a person you've had on your podcast that you haven't talked to before, like what they've been through, um, what they've experienced in their life. And so I try to take that approach myself of, I don't, this person could be saying this thing that I think is absurd or um, um, mean or hateful or whatever, but they might be coming from a place of deep pain within them and just projecting out something that they believe about themselves or that they can't, they haven't been able to feel within themselves. So they project it out onto other people. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can look at people with a deeper understanding and awareness like that, it's easier to accept people because we realize it's not all about us. <laughs> it's about their own stuff. They're often projecting outward right. onto us. Right. That is so powerful. So good. You have a brand new book called 21 Days of Healing, a self-guided mm-hmm. workbook to help you navigate chronic illness, release emotional inflammation, and find the medicine woman within. Tell me about this book and why. who, who is it for? Yeah. So it's definitely the person I think we've been talking about in this conversation, the empath, the really man or woman with chronic illness. That just happens to be, I work with women, but I think that uh, either gender could definitely benefit from the work inside, inside here. And it's for the person who does have emotional inflammation, meaning there's a lot of emotions they haven't been able to process or digest that have then 
potentially created actual physical inflammation inside mm-hmm. their body or a lot of stress or anxiety in their life. And the book was inspired by a live course that I've hosted numerous times. So over a hundred people have women have been through the the live course and each day is a different lesson. So I teach you a different uh, technique, modality, something to do, something to write about, something to experience. Mm. And you just go through it your, your, your own 21 day pace. And uh, there's it's workbook style. So there's space to write. It's got a very beautiful interior that I can't take credit for. My graphic designer did a really good job making it pretty inside. Good, yeah. But um, it's based off that program and some of the most loved act- exercises that the people who have them through the program at um, give me feedback on, and I just put it into a written uh, copy you can do on your own, so that not everyone has to invest in the in the full course. Awesome, and that we will definitely link to, of course, in the show notes. And you can swipe up now on your phone if you're listening, and you can find the link. Um, we'll link them to your website, and they can either purchase it on Instagram or get a signed copy from you. Yeah, and I love that, so they can check that out. And also, you have a podcast called Healing Uncensored. Yes. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Well, you might hear some cuss words in it. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's uncensored, not just in language, but also in uh, conversation, meaning we talk about some of the things that you won't hear at your doctor's office. And we talk about more alternative things that, again, with a deep curiosity, looking at what what might actually really help you in your healing that you haven't considered yet. So uh, we talk a lot about the subconscious mind. We talk a lot about emotional and uh, energetic healing and just in interesting different conversations that maybe people haven't considered before in a very uncensored, unfiltered, unapologetic way. (laughs) That's great. And of course, your website's autoimmunetribe.com and people can um, link to all your social media accounts. I know you hang out a lot on Instagram, the underscore empowered underscore empath. Yes. And all those links will be in the show notes. So Sarah, um, first of all, just uh, my heart goes out to you and your family um, with all the challenges that you've experienced. I love your, I love your heart. I love your desire to help people and how you're doing that in all sorts of modalities. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate you being willing to share part of your story with us today. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the platform and opportunity to be able to speak about the things that I love most. And thank you for challenging me and <laughs> having me on. Well, thank you for listening to my conversation with Sarah today. Well, this week, may you begin to see the breakdowns of your past and any brokenness in your present as opportunities to experience tremendous breakthroughs in your future. And may you sense the healing love of the divine in all aspects of your life.